what John is doing here is he's, he's, getting, he's getting God's vantage point. He's seeing things from a totally different perspective. It's like he's stepping outside of his, his body and outside of his life, and he's getting this big picture perspective from God's vantage point. And it reminds me, I want to show you a couple of verses before we hit Revelation 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18, Paul says, and this is a great passage coming off of the Crushed series. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer, outer self is wasting away, and everyone over 30 or 40 said, amen, right? Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. And I love this perspective from Paul. The stuff that, that I'm going through, the suffering, he says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are what? Unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then Paul goes on later in Colossians 3, another similar thought, but he says in verse 1, if you then be raised with Christ, okay, if you've, if you've come to faith in Christ, you've been raised with Christ, is seated at the right hand of God above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are where? Above, not on things on, that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so what Paul says is that what we see with our physical eyes is really not the full reality. We don't see the full reality. We see, kind of see half of it. There's a whole other spiritual realm that our physical eyes don't see. And what Paul is saying in these verses, and what, John, what happens for John, actually, is he is seeing from God's vantage point. He is seeing the, the big picture. He is seeing the full reality. Really, it's the real perspective, because if you see in Colossians 3, it says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. This is really the perspective that we need to have. And so, thinking of through all this, we're going to read through Revelation chapter 4, 1 through 11. So, so John says in Revelation 4, starting in verse number 1, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the, the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after the voice that calls out to, to come in. Okay, I had this really wild, just imaginative thought last night. This reminded me of this last week when we took our daughter trick-or-treating. Have you ever been to the homes, and maybe you're one of these homes that does this, where you don't just, you're not just at the end of your driveway with a candy, you're not just waiting at the door, but one of these houses where, like, the garage door is open. You know what I'm talking about? And there's stuff covering the garage door, and it's like, hey, come on into my garage. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go in there. I don't know what I'm going to find behind all this stuff. And like my daughter and like all the kids are kind of like, what's in here? And you go in and there's like severed heads and all kinds of like weird stuff where you're like, oh gosh, let me get out of here. <laughs> okay, and this really has nothing to do with the door that's open in heaven, but it's the same idea that here is this opening and there's this kind of voice calling out, hey, come up, I want to show you what's getting ready to take place, okay? So moving on, and then that I've gone on a totally weird tangent, all right? Um, Revelation 4 verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated 
on the throne. I want you to pay attention to that word throne because you're going to see that word over and over and over through this chapter. It's setting the context for us. It's, it's telling us the location of where John is in this vision. So it says, Behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came thra- flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. So the, the floor of this throne room is like the sea of glass. It's like crystal. And so there's, there's this throne room and there's all these sounds and sights and, and, and jewels and all this amazing stuff going on, right? And we move on. It says, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings. And this kind of like reminds me again of that garage I went into, right? All these like weird things going on. And when you read through this, this passage, you're going, what is going on in here? Okay, again, lots of imagery. and we're not, We don't have time to, to try to dig into all this, but I want us to see the activity that's taking place, okay, in the throne room. So you have these, these creatures and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives Forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, in verse 11, Worthy are you, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so do you see what the activity is, is that's going on in the throne room? What is it? It's worship, right? It is worship. It is worship. Now, I, I want to just, I want to kind of walk through a couple of things as we work down to verse 11, okay? Just a few things that, that you notice as you, as, you, as you come through this passage. As you notice that the throne room of God, okay, the one that's seated on the throne is God Almighty, the Lord Almighty, right, who is forever and ever, the throne room is not, and this is kind of funny in the context of doing like a, an acoustic set this morning because normally it's a little louder in this place. And hey, listen, when we talk about the idea of worship, sometimes we get an idea of a style of worship. Listen, I'm not going to promote any one style of music or preference above another, okay, because worship is way bigger than music. It's all about a heart posture and fixing our hearts on, on Christ. Um, but what does make me laugh is that sometimes, or what, what frustrates me, is sometimes when people put a right or wrong on your, your preference for music, okay? Whatever your preference is. Um, and sometimes it's, it's said that if, if music is loud and there's guitars and drums and if there's lights and smoke, man, that is not of God. And, and here's what I say when I look at Revelation 4. You know where I'm going? 
<laughs> if you don't like noise and lights and smoke, you may not like heaven. <laughs> you may not like the, you may feel uncomfortable in the throne room because when you look at the throne room of God, there is thunder and lightning and torches of fire burning and there's, there's a chorus of creatures day and night, never ceasing, lifting their voices in worship of God. I wouldn't doubt that the thunder and lightning and the rumblings that it's talking about are from the actual voices of the creatures worshiping God. It's going to be there worshiping the Lord God Almighty. And it's going to be loud. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. But that's one thing that we see when we look at the throne room. We also see that there's there's unending praise and adoration, right? It's just unending. It never ceases. There's never like a pause. There's never like this moment where, hey, let's, let's sit down and let's rest for a moment and let's stand up and sing again, right? It is just nonstop lifting voices and praise and, and adoration. And then there's a declaration that's made in, in verse number 11, which is kind of where I want to I look at here. Verse number 11 says this. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You know, the way I memorized this in the translation, I remember, uh, it said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for uh, you created all things. For your, for your pleasure they are and were created. Like, by your will, for your pleasure. You're the one who created everything, and it was for your pleasure. It made you happy to do this. And so this declaration, and this is, this is the declaration that you see the creatures in heaven make. This is the declaration that all of us will make. I believe this is the de- declaration that all of us can and should make right now. Every single four things that I'm seeing here, reasons why they would make this declaration, reasons why you and I can make this declaration this morning in worship of God that you are worthy. Here's the first thing. You are on the throne. You're on the throne. Did you, did you see how many times that word was mentioned in that verse? It was over 12 times, 12, 13, 14 times. You see it over and over and over, around the throne, before the throne, from the throne. We're in the throne room of God, and there's a the recognition here that there is one who is seated on the throne. God, you are on the throne. And I think we throw around this language too often and, and too lightly, but you know what a throne is? It's a place where who sits? A king, right? Someone who rules and reigns. It is a place of power. It's, a, it's, it's where the one that, even when we talk about earthly kings, we talk about a sovereign, someone who's in control of everything. You are seated on the throne. But here's the problem. Too often in our lives, especially when we go through the highs and lows, there's somebody else that's seated on a throne in our life. And it's not always God. Sometimes, most of the time, it's It's us. Right, We put ourselves on the throne. And when things don't go our way, we get, we get disappointed, we get frustrated. And we put ourselves on the place of, of, of the throne of, of, of leadership. It, it, it's like this. When I think, and put that child in the driver's seat of your vehicle. You know what would happen? What happens with a four-month-old? I mean, they're flopping all over the place, right? They would, their head would hit the steering wheel. I mean, they can't even hold their head up, right? I mean, it is just like... That they're so out of place. That is, that is too big of a place for them to occupy, right? They have no control over that vehicle. 
But what happens is that in our lives, we put ourselves on the throne and we try to run things and we try to organize things and order things in our life. And it's like putting a four-month-old in the driver's seat. That is too big of a place for us to be able to handle. And yet we try to, and we try to run our own life and run our own stuff. And we forget that there is a God who occupies the throne. He is on the throne, and we don't acknowledge and let him have that place. We try to usurp his authority, and we try to usurp his throne. But when we say you are worthy, we're saying, God, you are the one who is on the throne. And we say this as well, and you see this in this passage. You are eternal. You are eternal. And we see this a couple times. It talks about the one who lives forever and ever. Like, just think about that for a second. He is the one who lives forever and ever, and ever. And, and think about your, 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 your memory and your attention span and everything. Those first few years are, are fuzzy, right? Um, so I can, I can see the last few number of years of my life and nothing beyond, like, right this moment, right? But God, who is eternal, who lives forever and ever and ever, has no beginning, has no end, he sees the beginning from the end. And not just the beginning of my life, the beginning of all time to the end of everything and the eternity into the, the, the eternity um, future. He sees all of it and he's eternal and we get bent out of shape in our little perspective. And here is the one who is on the throne and he's eternal. Who knows and sees far beyond our little lifespan. And so when we declare you are worthy, we're saying you are on the throne and you are eternal. And then in verse 11, there's two other things. He says, you are the creator. You are the creator. You are the one who created everything. Everything exists because of you. You are the the source of life. And then he goes on and says, by your will they existed and were created. In other words, you are the, what I would call the architect You know what an architect does? An architect designs and plans, right? And so not only is God the one who builds and creates, he is, he did it all with a plan in mind was for you. And his plans for me and the stuff that we go through isn't outside of, isn't outside of those plans. It it fits into his plans. And so this declaration in heaven is you are worthy. Why? Because you're on the throne and You are eternal, and you are the creator, and you are the designer, the architect of all of life. And so I want to give you this kind of bottom line this morning. It's it's really simple. But we're talking about, again, the highs and lows, right? Here's kind of the bottom line thought for you this morning. You can worship God through the highs and lows because he remains on the throne. You and I can worship God through the highs and lows, because he remains on the throne. So your circumstances will change. Your feelings will shift. But one thing is sure, that God is forever entrenched on the throne. And he's not moving. He's not coming off of that. And so we can, in the midst of our highs and lows, we can worship him because he is in the same place. He is in the, he is in the place of authority and power. He is on the throne. You, you may have heard of this. About a week and a half ago, there's a Christian music artist by the name of Toby Mac. He's been around for a long time. 
I mean, it goes back to the Asian rat, okay, or whatever. Um, and he's been, had a solo career for years. About a week and a half ago, this news hit social media and really all the news outlets, the music industry, everything, that Toby Mac's 21-year-old son, Truett, died. Okay? Um, and they're still, they, don't, there's, they haven't even talked about the reason why or any of that stuff. But there was this outpouring of love and prayer towards um, Toby Mac or Toby McKeon, the McKeon family. Because how tragic is it to lose your 21-year-old son? Um, and so this huge thing that hit all, all the news outlets, even into the, the secular world. And how do you deal with, he's, he's not on a, a mountaintop or a high, right? He's in the valley, him and his wife and his family. And I love what he posted on social media. And, and I want to show you this. This is the last kind of part of what he posted. You may have seen this. October 24th, he said this, my wife and I would want the world to know this. Yeah, this is our testimony to the watching world. We don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him, like, hey, we'll follow you if you bless us. No, we follow God because we love him. It's our honor. And I highlighted this next phrase because I thought it was so big. He is the God of the hills and of the valleys. You know what he's saying? That when we are on the mountaintops, when life is going well, he is God, and he is in control. And yet on the other hand, when we go through the valleys, when life is hard, when we lose someone we love, he is God in the valley, and he is in control, and he is good. He is God of the hills in the valleys. How do you declare that in the midst of walking through a personal valley? It's because your heart isn't fixed on your circumstances. And listen, I'm not saying don't have any emotion to be stoic through difficulty. I'm just saying this, that we can trust and we can worship God. We can fix our hearts on God in the midst of a valley and even on the mountaintop because he is on the throne. Listen, and, and for different ones of us, we respond differently to highs and lows, to hills and valleys. For some folks, for some of us, when, we have, when we're on the, the hill, when we're at the top, you know what happens is we forget God. We forget that he is the one that has blessed us and given us grace and mercy and kindness and that has put us there. Some of us do that. Some of us, when we go through the valley, we get angry at God. We get disappointed. We feel like God is left us or that God has no power or control or that he doesn't care for us means that he is God of the hills and the valleys and everything in between. Amen? And we can worship him. In fact, Toby Mack, I think one of the things that sparked that, that phrase and one of the reasons why this phrase uh, resonates with me is because there was a song that came out in 2017, a couple years ago, by an artist named uh, Torn Wells. And the song is titled Hills and Valleys. So if you're looking in the, the Bible app, you'll see there's a link to that video with the lyrics. I think the lyrics are so, so good. And it's an upbeat song, so sometimes you miss, like, the words. But I want to I share with you kind of the chorus of this song, because I think it's so important for us. He said, on the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who set me there. And in the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. So on the mountains and in the valley. He goes on and says, when I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. And when I'm walking through the valley, 
I know I'm not alone. And then he moves into this, this, this phrase over and over. You're the God of the hills and valleys. You're the God of the hills and valleys, and I'm not alone. You're the God of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. Listen, y'all. He is sovereign and strong no matter what your circumstances. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. He is in every location you find yourself in. He is in control. He is on the throne, and he is worthy of our worship and our adoration. I want to give you, and I want to kind of leave you with um, an, an example or a story that I heard or a post that I read a couple weeks ago, and it really stuck with me. Um, you, know, you know the phrase, whenever you kind of come across somebody, you ask them a question. What's the regular question you ask them? Hey, how are you? How you doing, right? Okay. Um, as my daughter would say, how you doing? How you doing? Okay. <laughs> She's from Jersey. Whatever. Anyways. Um, <laughs> How are you? Which is less of like an inquisitive question, and it's more of a greeting, right? When somebody actually tells you how they're doing, you're kind of like, oh, hey, that's too much. T- TMI. I don't need all that. Just tell me fine, right? Tell me good, right? Um, but I, I read this, this, this story about a guy who said I, there was a, a friend of mine who I'd asked this question to, and every time I asked him, how are you, he had this very unique uh, response that stuck with me. And I want to pass it along to you because it's, it's, it's resonated with me. So he had this kind of uh, three-statement uh, response, and it, was this, it went this way. How are you? He would say, God is on his throne. Everything is going his way, and he loves me. God is on his throne. Everything is going his way, and he loves me. Okay, so, so there, there's some incredible theological truth. God is on his throne. So in other words, he is ruling, and he is reigning. He is immovable. Everything that happens is, is under his control and under his authority. He is ruling and reigning. He is on the throne. Everything is going his way, which typically for us, we would, we would say, well, everything is fine when everything is going whose way? My way. This is a recognition that, listen, sometimes when I get my way, that's not when things are the best, Sometimes it's best when I don't get my way. But everything is always good when God is getting his way. And so God is on his throne and everything is going his way. In other words, nothing is surprising to God. Nothing has caught him off guard. Nothing is outside of his control. Even in the hard times, even in the tragedy, everything in my story and the history The story of of eternity, everything is bending towards redemption and restoration. Everything, everything is going his way. And when life feels like chaos to you and I, we we can confess that God is on his throne. He loves me. In other words, he cares. He is involved. He won't leave me or forsake me. In fact, he died. Listen now. He died to bring you near. And so God is on his throne. Everything is going his way, and he loves me. And can I, can I admit something to you? As I was prepping for this week, and this was kind of like kind of in my, in my mind, in my brain, uh, there was a morning where I sat down to um, spend some time with the Lord, and I got a text. And you ever get these moments where you're, you're tempted to be very anxious and worry and concern, and you start fretting? And it's like everything kind of, 
your heart sinks because of what you're getting ready to face or what your mind is conjuring up that you may have to face and your, your heart is tempted to be anxious. And I had one of those moments this week and I immediately, I said, okay, let me practice what I'm getting ready to preach. God, you are on your throne. Everything is going your way and you love me. You are on your throne. Everything is going your way and you love me. And I'm telling you, over and over and over, I repeated that until I believed it, until I remembered it, until I knew it was true. And you know what happened? Peace in the midst of that. And he fixed my heart on the fact that he is on the throne. And he's not surprised. He's still in control. And oh my goodness, he loves me. Like that song says, I'm not alone. He is right there with me. And I can trust him. I can have confidence in him. And so here's what I'm telling you this morning. When you go through the highs, when you go through the lows, don't look inside yourself. Don't try to look to others to bring comfort and peace and joy. Look to the one who is on the throne. Because Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. And so God, this morning, we are a grateful people because of who you are, that you are on your throne, that you have not moved. God, that is where you have been. That is where you will be forever and ever and ever. And we can we can cry out this morning that you are worthy. You are worthy. You are the God of the hills and the valleys. And so, Lord, as we go through our lives, as we go through this week, as we go through this day, would you remember? Because you remain on the throne. And Lord, so we worship you this morning. We acknowledge that you eternal, that you are creator, that you are the architect and the designer of our lives. And we want to allow you to sit on the throne that you so rightfully deserve, that you are worthy of this morning. And so as your people, that is, that is our confession this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.